Welcome to Music for Life, enhancing the Armstrong concert experience. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. In today's episode, we explore a musical style specific to the 20th century, still alive today, called Tango Nuevo, or Nuevo Tango. As its name indicates, it was a new conception of tango that was infused into the art music of the 20th century with its roots in Argentina. The father of this style was Astor Piazzolla, whom we will discuss today. One of its leading ambassadors now is pianist Pablo Ziegler, who will be performing at Armstrong Auditorium November 9th, along with pianist Christopher O'Reilly. These two will demonstrate this style of fine art music in a program titled Two to Tango. So if you are new to tango, join me for today's episode on the new tango style, today on Music for Life. This season on Music for Life, as our tagline states, we are helping to enhance the Armstrong Experience, the world-class performing arts series here at Armstrong Auditorium. This season, we are exploring the music to be performed on the various concerts throughout the season. Our season continues on Thursday, November 9th, with a piano duo comprised of prominent radio host and pianist Christopher O'Reilly and Latin Grammy-winning Nuevo Tango pianist and composer Pablo Ziegler. In our next all-new episode, we will have an interview with each of these artists. But in this episode, I want to discuss the exciting style of music they will be performing, a style called Nuevo Tango or Tango Nuevo, or sometimes just New Tango. Last week on Music for Life, as the lead-up to this program, I had our radio station air a repeat, which I thought would be good background for this upcoming performance. It was about the piano in general. We explored the history and repertoire of one of Western music's most versatile and utilized instruments. I would encourage you to check that out if you haven't heard that episode. You can find all our past episodes on kpcg.fm, as well as on SoundCloud and iTunes. There are also a couple other episodes that would give some good background for this upcoming performance, which I'd like to summarize here. In one episode, during our first season, we talked about the influence of folk culture on fine art music. Especially in the last 200 years, composers would commonly write some of their concert music patterned after the song and dance styles of a particular folk culture, either using their own, perhaps for some patriotic reason, or as an homage to a distant culture, evoking images of that faraway land. But even as early as the Baroque era, over three centuries ago, composers would write instrumental suites that were structured after a particular ordering of dances that came from a variety of European cultures. The first movement of most suites was an allemande, the French word for a German folk dance. The last movement of nearly every suite was a jig, the French word for the well-known Irish folk dance, the jig. Sometimes suites would include dances that had their roots in folk traditions like the beret, rooted in a French clogged dance, the gavotte, another French folk dance, or the polonaise, the French word for Polish, meaning a Polish folk dance. As you go through history, there are so many examples of various folk cultures influencing the classical repertoire. In the classical era, you have the famous Turkish march that Mozart uses as the finale to one of his piano sonatas. You have the dozens of piano pieces Chopin wrote based on the dances of Polish folk culture. Then there are the famous set of Hungarian and Slavonic dances written by Johannes Brahms and Antonin Dvorak, respectively. Dvorak used folk elements from the New World to construct his famous 
famous Ninth Symphony, which also paved the way for Aaron Copland to use American folk elements to find a distinctly American sound in his music. There was also the famous work of the Hungarian Béla Bartók, much of whose music was the result of his travels throughout Eastern Europe, collecting folk songs from the cultural landscape of that region. You can learn more about that in episode 12 of Music for Life called The Folk Element from season one. We also devoted an entire program to the influence of the Celtic folk culture on fine art music in episode 21 if you want to check that one out. Another episode which contains material that will be helpful for today's discussion was an episode titled Moving Music, episode 24, also contained within our first season. This episode was about the slew of fine art music inspired by the art of dance, which the discussion about folk music also hints at. A lot of that music was not necessarily intended to be danced to, but its meter, tempo, structure, and other rhythmic qualities were inspired by specific dances. This is where there's a lot of overlap with the folk aspect. Folk dances like gavots, berets, jigs, hornpipes, polonaises, minuets, and mazurkas have been the structural and rhythmic framework for a number of pieces from the Baroque era through the present. But other dances to find their way into the classical repertoire are the waltz, the English country dance known as the contradance, an Austrian folk dance known as the lendler, dances from the Hispanic culture like habaneras and fandangos, and the famous tarantella, which apparently was danced when you were bitten by a wolf spider common to the Taranto province of Italy. In that episode, I played an example from the Nuevo Tango tradition for dessert, when I would end the program with some lighter classical fare. It was the Libertango, the most famous composition by Astor Piazzolla, which I'll play again today. That was considered the pinnacle of this new genre, a great modern example of a specific dance style influencing a new kind of music composition. So let's get into this discussion of Nuevo Tango. The history of the Nuevo Tango style is essentially the history of Astor Piazzolla, He is known for creating the Nuevo Tango style around the 1950s by incorporating European classical music and American jazz into the traditional tango style of his native land. Tango developed in Argentina in the late 1800s. Piazzolla was born in Argentina in 1921 and moved to New York with his parents in 1925. His parents were Argentine descendants of Italian immigrants, which is why you sometimes hear his last name pronounced Piazzolla, the Spanish way, and sometimes you also hear it pronounced Piazzolla, the Italian way. The family ended up in a section of Manhattan known as Little Italy, right near a large Jewish community. Astor earned money extinguishing candles at a nearby synagogue and later acknowledged the resemblance of his preferred rhythmic stressing to the music he heard at Jewish weddings while working there, that rhythmic stressing being a one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two pattern. At age eight, Piazzolla received a gift from his father. Now, he was expecting a pair of roller skates. Instead, he was rather disappointed to find an accordion-like instrument called the bandoneon. Thanks, Dad, right? His father said, Astor, this is the instrument of tango. I want you to learn it. Piazzolla didn't even like tango music, but he practiced the instrument to please his father. This instrument was originally made for churches in the poorer areas of Germany, which couldn't afford an organ. 
The instrument was also popular among sailors who brought it across the Atlantic to Argentina. In Argentina, it wasn't used in church, but in less reputable venues like cabarets. Accordion players in the tango style started switching over to the bandoneon because it had a more melancholy, more velvety sound, Piazzolla later said. The accordion was too cheery for tango music, he said. Like a concertina, the instrument has a set of buttons on each side rather than one set of buttons and a keyboard. And unlike the accordion, the bandoneon doesn't play chords altogether. The individual note buttons have to be put down at the same time to make a chord. Also, the notes that the buttons represent are not only placed differently for each hand, but they also play different notes when the instrument is pulled out rather than pulled in. This makes it one of the most difficult instruments to learn. Piazzolla said this about it in an interview. The person who was interested in learning this instrument must be a little out of his mind. I'll put a link to that interview in today's show notes, by the way. I'm going to play plenty of Piazzolla examples today so you can get an idea of what the bandoneon sounds like. But moving on in the life of Piazzolla, his young adult years were very important for developing his musical style. Although the bandoneon is an incredibly complicated instrument to play, Piazzolla continued to develop his skills, giving several performances and having his proficiency lauded in several news articles. He composed his first tango, La Catinga, at age 12. At the age of 13, he became friends with the famous Argentine singer Carlos Gardel. Carlos Gardel was the folk icon who forever associated tango music with tragic love, starting with his song Mi Noche Triste, which came out in 1917. Gardel was so fond of Piazzolla that he offered to take him along to play on his famous world tour. Piazzolla's father refused because Astor was too young, and this actually spared Astor from a plane crash that killed Gardel and other members of his band in 1935. During his teens, Piazzolla spent many a night hiding out in the local New York clubs, listening to jazz icons like Duke Ellington, Cab Calloway, and Benny Goodman. Not only that, a Hungarian by the name of Bela Wilda, who was a protege of Rachmaninoff, moved in next door. Piazzolla said he was mesmerized when he first heard Wilda practicing. It was a piece by Johann Sebastian Bach, and through taking lessons from Wilda, Piazzolla came to love Bach's work. He brought Baroque techniques like counterpoint and fugues into his later compositions. Piazzolla and his parents returned to Argentina in 1936. He there began to work with several tango orchestras, most notably the famous orchestra led by conductor and renowned bandoneon player Anuel Troyo. Hired first as a bandoneon player and eventually becoming an arranger, Piazzolla learned the tricks of the tangueros in Troyo's orchestra, better preparing him to incorporate them into his compositions later on. Now, Troyo often had to edit Piazzolla's arrangements for being either too complex or not appealing enough to the audience, at least in Troyo's view. Piazzolla and Troyo had a few too many differing views, so Piazzolla left the band in 1944. Piazzolla led his own orchestra for a few years. In 1946, he composed 
El Desvande, which he considered to be his first formal tango. Here's a recording of that. That was El Despande by Astro Piazzolla, what he considered to be his first formal tango composition. Piazzolla still had some mixed feelings about tango. Due to his musical experiences in New York, he said, In my head I had Bach and Schumann and Mozart and very little tango. The amount of classical music he was incorporating into his compositions, especially under the tutelage of composer Alberto Ginastera at the time, motivated Piazzolla to study to become a classical musician. Then he composed several works in the early 50s that reflected a shift of interest. Here's one of those pieces, Triunfal, performed by Troyo's orchestra in 
That was Triunfal, a composition of Astra Piazzolla's from 1953 that reflected a shift of interest from a more classical background, though the contrapuntal fugal writing of J.S. Bach would always influence his compositions. Piazzolla was beginning to fuse the musical styles that had filled his life to this point. In 1954, Piazzolla entered his composition titled Symphonia Buenos Aires into the Fabian Savitsky competition. Piazzolla's jazzy Argentine style was a hit with the foreign judges, and he won a scholarship to train in Paris with the renowned teacher Nadia Boulanger. Regular listeners will easily remember her name from our program, as she was the teacher and mentor to other great 20th century composers like Aaron Copland and Philip Glass. We've talked about her in many episodes, even this season, in talking about the Copland Ballet that was just performed here at Armstrong Auditorium. You can also learn more about her in our episode 27, called Great Women of Music. When Piazzolla went to study with Boulanger, he was so ashamed of his history with the bandoneon and the tango that he tried to keep it a secret from her and just play his classical compositions. Eventually, he told her he worked in a cabaret, and she convinced him to play one of his tango works. After he reluctantly played her Triunfall, which we just heard, she cried, You idiot! That's Piazzolla! Astor, your classical pieces are well written, but the true Piazzolla is here. Never leave it behind. (laughs) It's really just remarkable to me what this French music teacher did for the history of music as a whole, not just to French music. She didn't just teach composers how to write better compositions or to write French music like she was writing. She encouraged them to find their unique style, their unique voice. And in the case of Aaron Copland, and Astor Piazzolla, completely new styles were born, and completely new national sounds were born. So when Astor Piazzolla came back to Argentina in 1955, he created the Octetos Buenos Aires. It had two violins, two bandoneons, a cello, a piano, a double bass, and an electric guitar. Here's what Piazzolla's website says about the octet. Piazzolla considers the octet is the start of the contemporaneous tango, but the revolution that Piazzolla makes is a solitary revolution. The genre can't absorb it, and it doesn't evolve. Rather, Piazzolla breaks the genre. The octet is considered to be the real beginning of the Nuevo Tango style. The members of the octet wore formal attire, and they played complete solo works not intended to serve as accompaniments for tango dancing or tango singing. Astor said, For me, tango was always for the ear rather than the feet. He said that later in life, meaning it was more to be listened to than to be danced to, he felt. One example of the octet's music is Arabal, which means the outlying area of a city, usually the slum. Here is a recording of the octet playing that piece. Thank you. 
was Arabal by Astor Piazzolla, a recording by his Octetos Buenos Aires. The octet was comprised of two violins, two bandoneons, a cello, a piano, a double bass, and an electric guitar. The addition of the electric guitar and numerous passages that sounded improvisational shocked tango traditionalists, and many of them responded vehemently. He received the most criticism from citizens in Buenos Aires, from whom he received the label El Asesino del Tango, which means the assassin of the tango. (laughs) He was not only heckled at concerts, but received death threats even. He was even refused a taxi ride by a disgruntled critic. So Piazzolla decided to move back to New York to try out his new style there. Things didn't go much better. People found that it was neither jazzy enough to be jazz, nor danceable enough to dance to, for their tastes. But Piazzolla didn't plan on holding back his creativity to produce something more marketable. And while in New York, he heard news of his father's death in 1959. This inspired him to write Adios Nonino, which we will hear now, performed by Astor on the Bandoneon with the Cologne Radio Orchestra. Thank you. 
Hi, this is pianist Christopher O'Reilly, and you're listening to Music for Life on KPCG. I'm your host, Ryan Malone, and in today's episode, we are exploring the Nuevo Tango tradition of the 20th century, its father, Astro Piazzolla, as well as one of its ambassadors, pianist Pablo Ziegler, in the lead-up to the November 9th Two to Tango program at Armstrong Auditorium with Ziegler and Christopher O'Reilly. That was the Cologne Radio Orchestra with composer Astro Piazzolla on the bandoneon performing Adios Nonino, written upon news of his father's death in 1959, the man who had bought Astor his first bandoneon and required him to learn this tango instrument of Argentina. Astor had been living in New York, trying to promote his new fusion of tango, jazz, and classical known as Nuevo Tango, Piazzolla now returned to Argentina in 1960 and there formed his Quinteto Tango Nuevo, comprised of a bandoneon, a piano, a double bass, a violin, and a guitar. Through the quintet, his style gradually grew more popular, especially abroad. At home in Argentina, he collaborated with a poet on a tango opera, which helped his home country accept this Nuevo Tango style. He scored multiple films during the 60s, toured Europe in the early 1970s, and in 1973 composed his most famous work to date, the Libertango. Again, we played this piece in our episode called Moving Music, but I want to play it in this discussion too. This is from Yo-Yo Ma's album, Classic Yo-Yo, Oster Piazzolla's Libertango. Thank you. 
from the classic Yo-Yo album, we heard cellist Yo-Yo Ma performing Astro Piazzolla's most famous composition, Libertango. Piazzolla wrote this in 1973, and his style began to gain more popularity in Argentina and abroad. Our regular listeners might remember me playing that during our first season of Music for Life to conclude the episode Moving Music, where we discussed the influence that the art form of dance had on fine art music. I also played some piazzola in an episode titled Music for Seasons, where we talked about the inspiration that the four seasons have had on composers throughout history. In 1965, piazzola wrote Verano Porteño, Summer in the Port City. He wrote it in one night. Five years later, he wrote a similarly inspired work, but this one titled After Autumn. But it wasn't until one year later, when he had written a composition for Spring, that he realized one more season would complete the set and match what Vivaldi did. He supposedly even inserted a subtle musical reference to Vivaldi in this movement. So let's listen to Piazzolla's Spring. This is Primavera Porteña, Buenos Aires Spring. This is performed by the Eroica Trio.
That was Primavera Porteña, Buenos Aires Spring, composed by Astor Piazzolla and recorded there by the Eroica Trio, an instrumentation of violin, cello, and piano. We are discussing the Nuevo Tango tradition of 20th century music pioneered by Astor Piazzolla. In 1978, Piazzolla reformed his quintet, and he invited a young classical and jazz pianist by the name of Pablo Ziegler to play in the quintet. Ziegler had the opportunity to be a music director in Spain, but he turned it down to be in Piazzolla's ensemble. We're going to hear more from Pablo Ziegler himself in the next new episode of Music for Life about this invitation and what he learned from the experience, so I hope you'll join me for that episode too. Piazzolla hired Ziegler because of his background in jazz. Despite the improvisatory sound of some of Piazzolla's earlier music, he rarely ever improvised before forming the quintet. Ziegler brought this improvisatory element to the quintet, and Piazzolla coached the pianist on how to make his improvisations sound less like jazz and fit more into this nuevo tango style. It was a beautiful coupling of talents. Again, Pablo Ziegler will be the pianist performing at Armstrong Auditorium on Thursday, November 9th with pianist Christopher O'Reilly, a two-piano concert titled Two to Tango. Piazzolla's health began to decline due to heart problems in the late 1980s, so he disbanded his group in 1989. One of his final works was the Five Tango Sensations, commissioned by the Kronos Quartet. Here's a recording of the fifth movement, Fear, as heard on the classic yo-yo recording we played from earlier.
I am Pianos Pablo Ziegler, and you are listening to Music for Life on KPCG. I'm your host, Ryan Malone, and in today's episode, we have explored the Nuevo Tango tradition of the 20th century, its father, Astor Piazzolla, as well as one of its ambassadors, briefly, pianist Pablo Ziegler, in the lead-up to Ziegler's November 9th Two to Tango program at Armstrong Auditorium, where he teams up with pianist Christopher O'Reilly. More information about this event can be found at armstrongauditorium.org. You can like Armstrong Auditorium on Facebook or follow it on Twitter at Armstrong Odd. You can also like Music for Life on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Music for Life PCG. We will also include information about these upcoming concerts in our show notes at kpcg.fm and on iTunes and on SoundCloud. That was a track from the classic Yo-Yo album I played from earlier with cellist Yo-Yo Ma featured in that ensemble, performing the fifth and final movement of the final composition written by Astor Piazzolla, Five Tango Sensations. Astor Piazzolla recorded this work with his group, shortly after which he suffered a debilitating stroke. He died in Buenos Aires on July 4, 1992. He had written over 1,000 works. The website todotango.com says this about Nuevo Tango after Piazzolla's death. Post-Piazzollaism is up to date a collection of attempts, some of them important but insufficient. Clearly, Piazzolla transformed tango music from cabaret entertainment to significant concert music. The chief ambassador now for Nuevo Tango is Pablo Ziegler, again the pianist who will be performing on our Armstrong Auditorium stage here in Edmond, Oklahoma on Thursday, November 9th. Ziegler has championed Piazzolla's output, orchestrating several of his works, but he has also brought his own compositions to the discussion. I will play you more of Ziegler's compositions on our next new program, but be sure to join me for that as we will have two interviews, one with each of our performers, Ziegler himself and Christopher O'Reilly himself. Before we end today's program, I want to give a hearty thank you to Alexa Turgeon, one of our piano students here at Armstrong College who largely wrote this episode. To conclude this episode, I want to play you one of my favorite piazzolla compositions arranged here for cello and piano. This was performed live on our stage here at Armstrong in January 2016. It was the encore to a performance by cellist Sarah Sant'Ambrosio with yours truly at the piano. I hope you enjoy Oblivion, and I hope to see you soon at Armstrong.
You have been listening to Music for Life, a production of KPCG 101.3 on the FM dial in Edmond, Oklahoma. From the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus, I'm Ryan Malone. Thanks for joining me.